Welcome to Carry On With Kelly. I'm Kelly McVeigh, and I'm writing a book. Tentative title, Carry On, Packing Travel, Cancer, Recovery, and Self-Discovery in One Small Bag. The premise of the book, October 2018, I was living in Bali, 14 months into my own eat, pray, love sojourn. I ended up in an emergency department of a Balinese hospital with what I thought was a broken arm. I left with a cancer diagnosis. I returned to the States with nothing more than my worn sundress and a straw bag. These are the stories of what happened that day, the 14 months of travel leading up to that day, how I even ended up in Bali and how I started traveling. These are the stories of my cancer, my treatment, my recovery, the setbacks I've had. And these are the stories, most importantly, of the self-discovery that has been this unexpected outcome from all of this. I hope you'll indulge me as I reminisce or possibly cheer me on as I reestablish my life. Maybe you'll learn from me as I redesign a future worth living. When it's all said and done, we're responsible for creating our own life and the world is here to support us while we do it. So I hope you'll join me as I carry on and tell you these stories of my life. Thank you for joining me for episode six of Carry On with Kelly. Today, I want to talk about mental health, therapy, and grief. My phone rang at noon on Thursday. The caller ID shows Jay, just as expected. I answer it like I would any old friend. I don't even say hello. I just jump into the conversation. We fall into a now familiar cadence. Mostly me talking. I've never met Jay. I'm not sure if I ever will meet Jay. This, for all I know, will always be a phone relationship. But she calls me every week like hot clockwork, like she's been doing for the past year now. Jay is my therapist. Just to catch everyone up, I quit my job in New York City mid-2017 to move to Cambodia. I moved on to Bali in mid-2018. October of 2018, while living in Bali, I was told I had cancer. I came back to the States. After a barrage of testing, I was diagnosed with multiple myeloma, terminal. I was given three, some say three to five years to live. November brought surgery to repair my arm. The cancer had eaten through the humerus, which is your long bone from your shoulder to your elbow. December brought the start of treatment. It was determined very quickly that I qualified for a stem cell transplant. That meant four cycles of what they call an induction regimen, which was weekly blood work, twice weekly chemotherapy shots, weekly chemotherapy pills, regular IV meds to strengthen my bones. This went on until the beginning of April 2019 when we started prepping my body for the transplant. Mid-April was the stem cell retrieval. April 22nd and 23rd, were two days of very high-dose chemotherapy that wiped out all the cells in my bone marrow, both healthy and unhealthy. 
I normally explain it to say that they pretty much killed me those two days. And the next day they transfused my stem cells back into my blood and brought me back to life. One day, one day at a time. One episode I'll explain that in more detail and, and walk through what the stem cell transplant was. But for now, just know it was very taxing. It was very difficult. It was a very hard, hard process to go through. All research points to it taking at least a year to feel like yourself again after a transplant. And since it was determined that I probably had this cancer coursing through my body for years before its discovery, I didn't even know what feel like myself again meant anymore. Mid-May 2019, I left the hospital and I started healing, which from this, it just meant laying around a lot and regaining strength. Spring turned into summer, summer turned into fall. As I started to get stronger physically, I broke down mentally. From the beginning of this whole diagnosis, I had kept it together in public. I let myself cry. I cried often and I cried alone, but never in front of others. I always tried to show the pillar of strength. November 2019 rolls around and I crack. I start crying one day. I had gone grocery shopping with my sister. And she commented on how I was loading the groceries up onto the belt. I put the bread in the middle of everything and it was getting smashed. And I just started to cry. And I couldn't stop. The next month at my oncology appointment, let's call her Dr. K. Dr. K and I started to talk about my mental health. She recommended some therapists that I look into. So I tried that route. I called a few therapists. I even went to a few appointments with one therapist who just looked at me and smiled the whole time. And none of them seemed to be working. A very dear friend of mine, T, from New York, had told me from the very beginning of this, the first day he and I talked about my cancer, he said, get a therapist, Kelly. Even if you don't need one, get a therapist before you need one. I, of course, didn't listen to T. So I find myself early November sitting in Dr. K's office again, not knowing what to do with all this mental collapse that I'm going through. She knew of a research study at the University of Pittsburgh that was looking at the effects of mental health on cancer patients. And it turns out I qualified for that study. So November 26, 2019, Jay called me for the first time to introduce herself and walk me through what was going to happen. At the time I was brought into the study, they were only working on four month engagements. Um, luckily for me, that went a little longer, but she walked me through the process that we were going to take. And then we had our first session on December 6th. And that was the day that Jay introduced me to the five stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Keep in mind that the stages of grief are not these linear steps that we move along in a marching fashion. One journalist went as far as to describe them as a roller coaster with the added unnerving thrill of the ability to move in reverse. So at any given time, on any given day, I probably might hit some of these steps. But I have pretty succinctly gone through from beginning to end. When Jay introduced me to this concept of grief, 
it wasn't like I had never experienced grief before. People in my life have died. When I was young, I lost two people very close to me very quickly. My father passed away when I was 20, and that affected me greatly. The summer of 2016, my long-term lover died very tragically and unexpectedly. I grieved heavily for those four people. And, and there were others along the way that I've grieved for. And I understood what grief meant. But what she introduced me to, what Jay introduced me to, was the concept that I was grieving for my own life. I was grieving for what cancer took from me. And, and this was a concept that I had never even considered, that I was allowed to grieve for where I was in life right now, what my future looked like, for what my future won't look like because of the cancer. So we started discussing grief. The first phase, the first step of grief is denial. To pretend the loss or change isn't happening. For me, denial was very quick. Sitting in that hospital room in Bali, when the surgeon started to walk us through the procedure he wanted to do on my arm, he said I would need someone to take care of me. So naturally, I looked over at MM, and MM's very quick response was, I fly Tuesday to New Zealand. For a minute, I really did expect him to change his flight plans and to stay with me in Bali, but I didn't really push it. And once he said that, I remembered that I also had a flight booked. So I look at the surgeon and I say, I'm flying to Australia on Wednesday. Bam. Denial. The surgeon humored me and explained very, very simply that it was very important for me to get back to the States. If I wasn't going to allow him to operate, I needed to return to the States immediately. So that denial was short-lived. Denial crept in a little bit as we were making plans for me to get back to the States. My sister wanted to start talking about doctor's appointments right away. As soon as we made flight plans, she wanted to talk about doctor's appointments. And I just wanted to get on that flight and get to her house. I am very good at compartmentalizing. I am also very good at procrastination. So I know in my mind, I thought if we could just fly there and, and let's just deal with the cancer later, let's just deal with the doctors later, that maybe by the time I landed on Thursday, all that would have went away. So luckily for me, my sister doesn't listen to me often. So by the time I landed on Thursday, October 11th, she had already had doctor's appointments set up for me on October 12th, Friday morning. Early in the appointment, the doctor confirmed the cancer. The doctor confirmed everything that the Balinese doctor had said. So that stage of denial was also very short-lived. And that was the last time I hit denial. I moved very quickly past that. The next stage of grief is anger. I dip into the angry phase every once in a while, but I don't stay there long. My time in anger is short. It's typically strong and passionate, but it's fleeting. I don't ever recall being specifically angry at the cancer. I don't recall being angry because I was the one who got cancer. The anger comes when I'm unable to live the life that I want. I have anger when I can't go exercise like I want to exercise. I have anger sometimes that I can't travel like I want to. I have anger that I, I can't socialize like I want to sometimes. 
But like I said, that anger is fleeting. I dip into it. I have my outburst and I step out of it. Right now, I'm very angry due to the uh, the travel restrictions due to the pandemic. I'm angry because I know my lifespan is limited and I want to do as much living as possible during these remaining years. And with eight months of living restrictions, I know everybody's frustrated and I know everybody's going through their own thing. But to think this is eight months of, of a very shortened life expectancy really pisses me off sometimes. And I do dip into the anger when that comes up. I'm angry that I can't travel right now. I know travel isn't everything. I get that. But travel was important to me before I found out I had cancer leading up to my cancer diagnosis. I used travel during recovery to help me deal with it. And I, I want travel to be a part of my life. And the idea that I sit here and look at a world map every day and all I can do is put stickies on, on my dream trips, that, that makes me angry. But that too, I will get through. Bargain is the next phase of grief. When I look at my journey, I don't think I ever bargained. I don't think I ever sat in the bargaining phase of grief. For most of my adult life, I've tried, sometimes failed. I failed pretty greatly, but I've tried to live a life that I'm proud of. On multiple occasions, I've had the courage to completely start over. And this was not just leaving New York to move to Cambodia. This was leaving Pittsburgh to move to California and leaving California to move to New York to go back to college when I didn't know a single person in New York. I've had the courage to do that. I've been proud of everything that I've done. Throughout this journey, this journey of cancer, this entire journey of life, I've been proud of the way I've lived it. So I don't have a reason to bargain. And I plan on continuing to live this life up to my standards for as long as possible. The next phase of grief is depression. I have lived in a depression phase for quite a bit in the past couple years. When I found Jay, or rather when she found me in late November, I was deep, deep into depression. I don't know if I recognized it at the time, but I was firmly in that phase of grief. And it's, I just couldn't quit crying. I couldn't see a path forward through anything. I felt so stuck and it was a cross between drowning and I wasn't able to breathe. I felt like I was stuck in quicksand. No matter which way I moved, I sunk further. During the worst of this, I had a job interview, which is, is slightly hilarious because I know now that I am not healthy enough. I'm not strong enough to hold down a full-time job. I just don't have that stamina in a given day. But the idea that back in the fall in 2019, I even thought about it is, is somewhat scary. So I, I have this job interview. Keep in mind, my hair had fallen out June of that year. So by October, November, it hadn't grown back much. Looking at me, I looked sick. 
there was obviously something that I was going through. So this woman schedules a video interview for me, and I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited about the job. I start the, the interview, and one of the first questions she asks is, what had I been doing since I left New York in 2017? I have a really strong resume. I've had a good career. Instead of going back and talking about what I did up until my departure from New York, Instead of talking about all the fantastic things I did when I lived in Cambodia, I helped a friend start a hotel. I worked with a couple NGOs to do HR and training presentations. I taught English classes to the staff. I, I did things. I, in addition to that, I got my Pilates teacher certification in Bali. So there was plenty of stuff I could have talked about. But when she asked me specifically what I had done since I left New York in 2017, I started outlining my cancer treatment. I went very detailed step by step on everything I've been through. I dove into the stem cell transplant and gave her all the gory details. I couldn't figure out how to move past that. So instead, I just told her everything. I still remember the, the horrified look on her face when I explained to her what I was going through. At the end of the interview, she thanked me for my time. Needless to say, they never called back and I never got the job. So by the time Jay started talking to me about grief, I was so deep into this depression phase that I couldn't see a path forward. It was in this cycle that I, I just couldn't come out of. I started crying one day. And like I said, I cried most days, but I cried in the privacy of my bedroom or I cried when I was alone. But that particular day, I was grocery shopping with my sister and I put something on the belt wrong and she critiqued it. I had put the bread right in the middle of everything and it got smashed. She critiqued it. I started crying and I couldn't stop crying. When I saw Dr. K and we started talking about therapy, it's because of that crying. So here we are, and now Jay is talking to me about grief. Beginning of December, we're talking about the stages of grief, how to move me forward. And like I said, I couldn't figure out how to move forward. So I came up with this idea that I would go back to Asia. I don't remember where the idea came from, but it really made sense to me. There were a lot of things in my way, most of them being obviously health related and medication related. But once I started digging a little bit deeper, things fell into place. It turns out that if you pay your health insurance months in advance, your doctor will prescribe your chemo pills months in advance and your specialty pharmacy will approve those things. So. I started putting things into place to make it seem like it was really possible for me to completely change the narrative of my life to be able to control something and to go back to Asia. So I booked a flight Christmas morning. I'm sitting at my sister's dining room table alone before everybody else woke up. And I booked a flight round trip ticket from Pittsburgh to Bangkok. Of course, it wasn't that simple. Like I said, there were a lot of things involved. I carried a lot of meds with me, anything from fighting an infection to 90-day supplies of all of my regular medication, including my chemo. I had 
emergency evacuation insurance confirmed. I have traveled a lot and I've never bought travel insurance. So the idea that I actually had a helicopter on call to rescue me in case I needed out of the, any of these countries due to my health, I was taking this travel seriously. I needed to be back in the States the end of March for my next treatment that I couldn't take with me. So to me, that was a good time frame. I'd leave the beginning of January. I'd come back the end of March. I didn't really plan it all out. But like I said, on Christmas morning, I booked a round trip ticket from Pittsburgh to Bangkok. I started in Bangkok for a very simple reason. I know Bangkok. I couldn't wrap my head around navigating a new city in any capacity, let alone with jet lag. And Bangkok seemed like a, a safe place to me. So it was a good start. I started with the familiar and Jay was there. I landed in Bangkok and Jay and I talked through how I did on my travel and, and what I was expecting from this trip. I moved on to Chiang Rai, which is about a 90 minute flight from Bangkok. I had never been to Chiang Rai. So that was a good test to see if I could actually navigate something alone. And I did. I did fine. And Jay and I talked through the steps that I had taken and, and how I felt comfortable traveling alone. The same when I went on to Chiang Mai. In Chiang Mai, I had a very bad health day and laid in bed most of the day. And she was there to, to walk me through that. So Jay was with me every step of this trip. The trip from Thailand, I moved on to Cambodia where I needed to close some loop, loops and, and close some loose ends from when I lived in Cambodia. And I was able to do that as well. I saw a lot of people. I did some HR training for a hotel. I worked with a small organization to get their mission and their org charts in order and things like that. So I was productive during my trip in Cambodia. I was supposed to come back to Cambodia later in my travels, but after spending two weeks there, I felt like I was done. And I moved on from there. So each step of my trip, Jay talked me through it, and I felt stronger each place I went. I started contemplating what my future looked like. I started thinking about the idea of continuing my education. Is that something that could be possible? I started talking about buying a car. So I hadn't owned a car in almost 20 years. I haven't really driven since I moved to New York. So that was huge that I started talking about buying a car and, and Jay and I walked through all of this. Keep in mind that this trip got a little, I don't wanna say odd because that's a simple word, but the pandemic started being talked about the beginning of February when I was in Cambodia. I know 2020 hindsight, when I started hearing about it, I should have flown home, but this isn't that story. And one day I'll talk about my whole COVID experience when I was overseas because a couple people have asked about that. But just for now, know that Jay and I started talking about it in early February. I started calling my doctors in early February to get their inputs. Everybody felt I was safe to continue traveling, so I did. Cambodia moves on to Laos, which is about a two and a half hour flight. Laos was important in this trip because I had been to Laos, specifically Luang Prabang, before. And that would have been the first trip I was on that I can look back now and know that I had some issues. I had a lot of pain. I thought I broke my ribs. And it turns out that the cancer had eaten through my ribs. But that wouldn't have been a known then. 
So I needed to go back to Luan Prabang. I needed to experience it with a different lens and do everything I didn't do the first time because I was so sick. And Jay was there to help me through that. I moved on to Vientiane, which is the capital of Laos. I had never been there, and I fell in love with Vientiane and spent a few days there just taking it all in. I was now completely comfortable traveling alone again. I could navigate on my own. I could communicate. And, and those were steps that were really important for me to take in life. From there, I met an Australian friend in Singapore. I can remember sitting in the hotel lobby in Singapore talking to Jay twice, just due to everything that was going on. COVID was really making a strong point at this, a strong presence at this point. I didn't have anywhere to go. So I'm sitting in Singapore and the only flight I had booked was the end of March, Bangkok back to Pittsburgh. And this had to be the last week of February. So I had a whole nother month, five weeks that I was supposed to be traveling and didn't know where I was going to go. And we just sat in Singapore, Singapore and talked about it. When my friend flew back to Australia, the night before he went back to Australia, we're sitting in the hotel room, just sort of going over what I'm supposed to be doing. And out of the blue, I'm like, I think I, think I need to fly to Bali. And why that's important. When I started this trip, when I started this journey, I didn't have the strength to go back to Bali. And Jay and I talked every week, and it became necessary to go relive that experience of my life, to go walk through the streets when I found out I had cancer, and and just, just identify everything. When I went to Bali that week, I started writing. And I had written my whole entire life, but I started writing personal stories that I had never thought to tell people and I had never thought to post the public. And I started throwing those out into the universe and, and that helped me heal. And that really was the starting point of this fast acceleration through this depression phase of grief. I left Bali and moved on to Australia. And one day all of these stories will be written and all of these pictures will be posted but I ended up in Australia quite accidentally. I wasn't ready to come back to the States. If I would have come back to the States, I think the trip would have been a failure. So I needed to go back to Australia. There were other reasons. I had spent the summer after my stem cell transplant in Australia. And I probably didn't. I wasn't myself. So I didn't make the connections that I, I felt I could have made. And I, I felt I did Australia a disservice. And I needed to correct those wrongs. So I ended up in Australia and I thought I made some good connections when I was there that, that we'll talk about in a couple weeks. The other thing that came up in Australia is the fast moving COVID through the United States. It came about very quickly. Uh, it looked like there was a possibility that I would get stuck in Australia and Jay walked me through that. You know, we talked on a regular basis. She helped me emotionally grasp the idea that that might happen. It turns out I was able to leave. Delta was able to get me a flight from Sydney back to LA. Uh, I was the last flight to leave Sydney before they closed the borders in Australia. And instead of coming back in a much better mental situation that I was hoping for, I came back and crashed. All that to be said, 
is that depression was rough for me. That depression phase was very hard in my life. Jay continued to walk me through everything. I quarantined for two weeks in the States and I talked to her and, and moved back in with my mother because in the middle of a pandemic, it's probably not the greatest time to decide where you want to live in your life. I bought a car very early on in the pandemic. I, like I said, I hadn't bought a car in 20 years. So I bought a car and I started to move forward with my life. So when Jay called me this past Friday, I was kind of thinking that it had been about a year since she had started talking to me. And we walked through a lot of things about the past year. One of the important things she brought up, in addition to the grief that her and I have been talking about for the past year, is she brought up the idea that teletherapy is important. And without teletherapy, this story would be completely different. If I would have taken that trip for those three months and not been able to talk to her each week along the way, I don't think I would have healed as quickly. Every week when I made a stride or when I made a step backwards, Jay was there and we could download the information and I could move on the next week. Instead of coming back three months later and trying to explore everything at once, we had this bonus of doing it on a regular weekly basis. She thinks that now that everybody is used to being more locked down, that insurance companies need to change and accept teletherapy from an insurance plan so more people can benefit from therapy right now. And since I think we all are grieving past part of our lost lives, I think all of us could, could use some therapy in life. The other thing Jay and I talked about was just the progress of my past year. To sit here right now and tell you that a year ago, I couldn't figure out how to do anything. And I look at what I've done this past year, even with COVID, even in a lockdown, during a quarantine. I interviewed for a job last year and explained my cancer treatment. Over the summer, it would have been May or June, I went for a job interview. And I still, my hair still wasn't great, but I probably didn't look sick. And this man asked me what I've been doing since I left New York in 2017. And I had so much stuff to share. I shared everything that I accomplished when I lived overseas. And I shared the fact that I had just traveled for three months and the lessons I learned during those months. And I was able to talk to him as a professional adult, somebody worthy of that resume that I've earned my whole entire career. I didn't get the job and I'm okay with that. It wasn't the right fit. It actually made me realize at that time that I'm probably not healthy enough to do a job full time, nine to five, you know, 10 hour days, five days a week. But when I look back on that, that was a real tipping point. And now that I look back from last year, the things that I accomplished, I'm consulting for, for companies right now. And it's not full-time, it's very part-time, but it's enough to get my mind working. I am taking classes, which 
I love the idea of education as a, as a way to pivot your life. And, and I'm excelling in those education classes and I'm working with organizations and I'm, I'm trying to put a business together to further my life from that perspective. And I'm planning travel for one day that the world will open and I'm planning travel not because I feel like that's the only way I can move forward with my life. I'm planning travel because there's so much I want to do before I die. And Jay walked me through all of that. So this week's appointment, when I started talking it through with her, she went back through my file and found the fact that, that she had called me for the first time on November 26th. And sadly, November 26th is Thanksgiving. So I won't be able to talk to Jay on our anniversary. But I leave you this love letter to therapy, to Jay, to grieving. I think I am firmly in the acceptance phase of grief. Keep in mind, acceptance does not mean I'm okay with it. It doesn't mean I'm happy about it. But firmly sitting in acceptance lets me plan the future. And that's what's most important about everything. I think we all need a little bit of therapy in our lives. We're all doing our fair share of grieving. And hopefully we can all continue to carry on. Thank you for joining me for episode six of Carry On With Kelly. I hope you'll join me next week. Next week, I will do a health update. I've had a lot of doctor's appointments this month. So I'll do a health update next week to talk a little bit more about my cancer, my treatments, and what my future looks like. Thank you for joining me. I hope you carry on and join me next week as I carry on. Have a good night.